Welcome to the 12th episode of Touring the Multiverse. This is the first limited series of the It's a Mimic podcast where I, Dave, lead you and Adam on a tour of one of the published campaign settings for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Over the course of this series on Eberron, I'll be breaking down history, lore, setting, populaces, adventures, and player options. While I give some quick insights into the unique monster stats that Wizards of the Coast has provided. Today, we're covering Sharn. This will be a nice, short, quick conversation then. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so, climb aboard the lightning rail and join me as we look into the steampunky world of high adventure as presented in Eberron Rising from the Last War. Sharn. Sharn. You've, you've played in Sharn. I've never been to Sharn. You've never been to Sharn? No. Except for when we go to see Jed. Except for when we go to see Jed. Right. I try to block that shit out. Yeah, I don't blame you. He's a sketchy guy. There's something wrong with him right now, and I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm not sure I want to know what it is. Uh, anyways, Sharn is like the, the largest city, period. It's known as the City of Towers. Uh, it's got a population of about a half a million people, and of this, humans make up about a third of it. Dwarves make up about a sixth of it, but it does have every other race as well. Okay, this includes communities of Kalistar, Changelings, and just about everything else you're going to find, including monsters out of Drome. Uh, There are also still refugees from Sire that show up here occasionally, and they've actually got their own area in the city as well. Uh, Thousands of people travel to and from this city every day, and like I can't explain enough just how big this thing is, okay? Now, it's in southern Corvair. It's in Brayland, which is, of course, right beside Drome. That's why you get a lot of the monsters there and so on. And it's on the shores of the Dagger River. Now, the Dagger River comes inland quite a ways. And this comes up from the south, right? Yeah, yeah, it comes up from the south. Um, and then there's another body of water that kind of crosses it like a T in the middle. So the dagger goes up and then the hilt comes across it. Uh, the The city is actually on the northeast corner where the dagger meets the hilt. Okay. Yeah. Um, now there's these big mountains kind of all over the place. Where the dagger meets the hilt is an awesome name for like a metal album. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> because of its location in Southern Corvair, it makes for a good staging ground for a lot of intercontinental travel. Zendrix is right below it. If you come out and head east, Aranol's not terribly far. And if you head west, Sarlona's not terribly far either. It's a good center point for kicking off adventures. Just about the only thing that's not really around it. Yeah, it's going to take you a while to get to the North Pole. And I think the Lazar Principalities is pretty much as far away as you can get on Corvair. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. I mean, the only other thing that's just as far away would be Argonison, right? Now, like I said, it's surrounded by mountains on the side of the rivers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So instead of growing out, it grew up. Aw. Oh, it grew up. Our cute, our cute little city's growing up. Man, I'm glad that this is not an HBO show. Or there would be kids named Sharn in like a generation or two. Uh, so it's made up of five areas. Yep. These areas are called quarters. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, Dave, your math is wrong on that. It's not my math. <laughs> okay. Now, each one of these quarters, which, I mean, the five of them. Yep. Central Plateau, Dura, Memphis Plateau, North Edge, which, whenever I read it, I always read it as Nort Hedge, and it bothers me every time. And Tavik's Landing. Now, each one of these is made up of 
core towers that are connected by sky bridges and stuff. Like, sky bridges are a big thing. Remember when we saw Jed? He had those feather tokens. It's, I mean, there's a there's a blurb in the book that's um, a paragraph out of one of the newspapers or a clipping or something that talks about how city council is starting to think about making it a requirement that everyone that's traveling above a certain height has to carry one of these tokens on them because people fall off them all the time and a real common way to get hurt and shard is from people falling on you. Jesus. It happens. Often. I love it. I like the idea, too, of, like, the, the orc walking through Sharn because he's from Drome and he's just, like, chilling out. And all of a sudden, a halfling lands on his shoulder spikes. He doesn't even notice. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So so you kind of get a big picture of how this is all interconnected. This is all working. Yeah. So there's the five quarters of the city. Each one of the quarters is split up into thirds. Okay? These are called wards. There's upper, middle, and lower. All right, so we're going vertically now. Yes. So five horizontally, three vertically. We've got a grid of 15. And inside each one of them is a bunch of districts. Because why the fuck not? And it varies quite. Like how many districts? Yeah, yeah, by by a lot. All right. Uh, Some of these quarters are bigger than others. So, I mean, even if there was four, it wouldn't actually be quarters. You know, like they just, they screwed this all up. Uh, Now, you also have to understand that the Memphis Plateau and the uh, Central Plateau, I mean, okay, if Sharn was a circle, the two plateaus are in the middle. And at the lower levels, they don't connect to the outside. But, that, but when I get higher up, everything starts connecting higher up. With sky bridges and yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. Now, in addition to the five quarters, which have three wards and a bunch of districts, there yeah. are other districts as well. I think I said in the last episode about planes um, that Sirana, Sirania, the the, the, play, the azure sky. That's essentially the plane of air. Is, it, there's a thin spot here between them, and this helps the city float. Does the city legit float? The top part does, okay? This is called the Skyway, and it floats above the highest towers. All right, and I'll get into it a little bit later. Below the city, there's another district called the Cogs, and the Cogs has a couple of little districts in there as well. Underneath the Cogs are the Lava Pools. Now, these Lava Pools connect to Fernia, the Plane of Fire, so... You kind of see how it's kind of sandwiched between the lower plane of fire and the higher plane of air. Uh, Now, there's also the City of the Dead on the northeast side. This is just essentially a mausoleum. This is not like the City of the Dead in Aranol. Sure. We have two different cities of of the dead, which sure is not confusing at all. So if you're looking for a place in Sharn, it will often be described with a combination of the ward and the district. Okay, this will make a little more sense when we start getting into them. Now, elevation reflects status and wealth in Sharn. The higher up you are, probably the more wealthy you are. Nobility keeps falling down on top of the poor people. They have servants and stuff. This is a metaphor, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's the trickle-down effect day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the upper wards, like I said, are for the rich and powerful. This is where you're going to find the finest goods, the most expensive services. The meals and lodging here are unaffordable, and people out of place here are frowned upon. They don't want you here, right? If you go up there covered in, or, or, you know, wearing armor, and you know you got battle scars, and you just you're going to look out of place. You're going to get the side eye, and the city watch has a large presence here. You're probably going to get harassed a little bit. You're going to get escorted out, probably? Not necessarily, except for, yeah, yeah, one ward in one of the quarters. Uh, and that's in Upper Tavik's Landing. We'll, we'll we'll cover that when we get to Tavik's Landing. Uh, now, violence in the upper wards is fairly rare, because like I said, 
it's quite heavily patrolled by the Watch. Now, the middle wards, those are mainly middle class. Okay, yeah, I'm following you. Okay. This is where you're going to find all your busy markets, taverns, uh, entertainment, housing, and the goods and services here are a lot more affordable. I, I figure that you're going to see a lot of the hospitality um, Dragon Mark house in here, right? It's trickled everywhere, and let me tell you, the one thing that I kind of noticed when I was going through this is that the Dragon Marked houses are not necessarily on par with the nobles in the city. The nobles are higher up. Okay, yeah, because the nobles don't work. The Dragon Mark houses work. Yeah, but like even the 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 Dragon Mark heirs, you're not going to find them up in the floating city of Skyway, right at the very top, not city district, but like they're. So we're, gonna, we're talking the wealthy elite are way up there. I think there's a term that I come across um, called the sixty families. And and remember, I was talking about organizations a couple episodes back with the Orum and they're the captains of industry and they're like the Illuminati. Yeah. They would be up in in Skyway, right? I would imagine, yeah. Okay. Uh, Now, you can find higher-priced items in the middle wards, but they're going to be kind of tucked away. And the watch does exist here, but it's not as prevalent as it is in the upper wards. And the watch has a reputation for being fairly corrupt. The lower wards are for your laborers, destitutes, refugees, and orphans. It's poverty-stricken. Goods and services are readily available, but the quality is a lot poorer. Uh, Signs of wealth here attract unwanted attention, so don't come through with your giant gold-plated armor. You're going to get checked. So this is where you're going to find your burnt wards, because they're robbing people. Oh, yeah. You know what? Here. High five. Yes. All right. That's the best one I think you've ever done. (laughs) Uh, You're onto something, because the watch doesn't really exist here. They need a little vigilante justice, right? Uh, This is a haven for criminals and gangs and other organizations. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, I, I know what I'm getting into here. Now, the stereotypes don't always apply everywhere. So, Dura is a poor quarter. So, Upper Dura is probably more like a middle ward in a different quarter, economy-wise. Okay. Uh, And the lower central, the central plateau, the lower ward there, is probably more on par with a middle ward in another place. Because they're high class, the further up you go, they're the high class district. Well, just because... No, no, the quarter itself is the, the high class okay, quarter. Okay, yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Right? I know, quarter, ward, district. It's, it's difficult to track. Yeah. Episodes, yeah. I, I actually think they struggle with it in the book a little bit, too. I have a, I have a couple of gripes that just... I was going through it and didn't make sense to me. Now, I did stay up for a ridiculously long amount of time to prepare for this and was very tired, so maybe it's just me, but I don't think they get it right every time either. But I'm not gonna... That's not a hill I'm willing to die on. Anything else you want to know before we start digging into what quarters and wards are in each quarter? Um, the the cogs in the Skyway are not separated into quarters and, and wards. They're their own separate district. So, so, so sort of. Um, the Skyway is absolutely its own district. And it's it's small like a district because, I mean, quarters are, are the entire tower. No, quarters are horizontal. They're like neighborhoods. Wards are... Vertical. Vertical. There and there's like there are rings on a tower and there's usually three there's three of them, right? Yeah, but like they're real tall. Yeah. But then there's districts which are small sections of these portions. Of these wards, yeah. Yeah. So Skyway is a district, it's a small portion or it, it, it is not connected to any but is it quarter. the size of a ward? Like, I'm trying to get an idea of how big it is. No, it's a district. Okay. Okay. Um, but underneath the city, the cogs 
is bigger. All right. It's more, it's, it's not a quarter or a ward, but it has districts. Okay. So it's, it's the size of a ward, but it's not considered. It's, one. it's under the city, right? Yeah. Like this is the underground. This is below the sewers. All right, so like it's got areas beneath it, but it's not part of the same structure. There are a few other areas that are outside of the quarter ward system. system so we will cover those. So we'll get into the, the, the different wards now. Well, I guess different quarters and then wards, and then we'll talk about a couple of districts for each one. I'm going to try to go real fast because there's a lot here. here. And let me tell you, there are charts and tables and all sorts of stuff in the book with all sorts of information. I have only picked a few. If I had sat down and tried to do everything, this would have been longer than the four-part nations thing. Uh, So the the central plateau is one of the quarters. uh, And this is kind of where power and wealth in Sharn is. Like I said, the lower central ward has... More sta- has similar standing to a middle ward in a different quarter. God, this, this terminology shit's breaking my mind. Uh, in the central plateau, this is where all your big deals are made. This is the home to powerful merchants, city councillors, ambassadors from afar, and dragon-marked barons. All right, so hold on, because you're going to have to paint this picture for me. Sharn is essentially a ring with a central area in the middle, and the central area is the central district. So think of it as a circle. That's hollow in the middle. That's a ring, yeah. There is a giant dot of land, Mm -hmm. and then south of that is another giant dot of land that are not connected to each other and are not connected to the ring at all on the outside. Okay, so which one which one is this? This is the northernmost one. Okay, okay. Okay, this is the central plateau. Below that is the Memphis Plateau. That's another one of the quarters. Because you got your Memphis blues down there. Uh, and then, of course, along the outside in the ring, you have Dura. That's kind of on the western side. Mm-hmm. You have Tavik's Landing, which is kind of on the eastern side. And I will let you guess where North Edge is. It's Eberron. It must be in the south. <laughs> Not this time. So the upper ward here is called Upper Central. Golden power flow down from here. This is the district of the highest towers. This is the seat of government. City Hall is here. It has and it has the municipal archives. The first district I want to talk about here is the Coronath. This is the central financial district. Now, this is also the name of the Kol Karan Grand Temple, who is one of the sovereign hosts. And this temple makes up a large portion of the district. This is also where you're going to find the House Kandarak Bank in Sharn and its impenetrable vaults. Sure, this feels like it's Wall Street plus also bureaucracy. Yeah, but like a really high wall. Uh, one of the other districts is called the Mithril Tower. This is the home to the wealthy citizens. This is a residential area. Uh, and then, of course, another district you get is the Platinum Heights. This is the most expensive market district in Sharn. This is where you're going to find the highest quality goods. You got you got a feel for the Upper Central? Yeah, I wonder, what, what was it? it? Was What was the rich people residential? Mithril Tower. I feel like Mithril Tower is the take on the Ivory Tower. In Middle Central, this is where the center of intrigue is in Sharn. Uh, one of the districts there is Ambassador Towers. It's where you're going to find embassies and consulates from Thronehold nations, yep. Aranal and Sarlona. This is the home to the King's Citadel, which is the Braylish intelligence. Uh, another uh, district here is Dragon Towers, and this is pretty much where the primary enclaves of the Dragonmarked Houses are. Um, and then, of course, you have the Sovereign Towers District, which is home to shrines and temples. There's the Pavilion of the Sovereign Host, which is a structure that has nine individual towers, of course. And this district also has the Cathedral of the Cleansing Flame. Which will be, yeah, the Silver Flame. Right? Exactly. exactly. 
So, so that was nine towers, one for each one of the Sovereign Host. Correct. There's nothing for the Dark Six? No. In Lower Central, this is going to be your higher class residential area. This is the safest and most pleasant of the lower wards. So one of the districts you're going to find here is Bulldrize Hearth. Uh, this is going to be a haven for travelers and a kind of a reliable, comfortable place to find somewhere to stay. You're going to find reliable and comfortable establishments that are run by House Galanda here as well. So when you come in by like lightning rail or horseback or dinosaur, you come in at the ground level, you're going to want to head to the center for... for No, because every district has lodging. No, but this is the nicest, most comfortable. You're not watching your back like you are in like the poor district and stuff. Sort of. Okay. Yes, but. Sure. Okay. There's a helpful little chart in the DMG, which tells you how much money to spend uh, at certain levels of comfort and convenience when you're in inns and taverns and stuff and how much it would cost. And so I would be looking at Sharn and the different districts and also that chart to find out how much lodging would be. It does kind of give you a breakdown in the book about what status of life most people are going to be from here and what you can expect people to afford, like what, what the affordable range is here. Okay, it does get into that a little bit in the Eberron book. Uh, one of the other districts is Olandra's Kitchen. This is an assortment of taverns and restaurants. Uh, one of the other districts is Valia's Tower. This is where you're going to find your large community of half-elves. And there's also the Maishan Gardens. This is a residential district. And this is where you're going to find a lot of your artists and stuff. Uh, now, some of the other noteworthy locations uh, in the Central Plateau, so in the whole quarter, are the Aurora Gallery. This is the most prestigious auction house. Uh, this is where you're going to find all sorts of magic items and treasures that came over from Zendrick. This is in the Platinum Heights District in Upper Central. You also have Lyrander Tower. This is the primary enclave for House Lyrander. This is where airships arrive and depart. They've got giant docking towers and uh, large spires and stuff like that for these airships to come in and out of. And this is in the Highest Towers District in Upper Central. Another area you have, or another location you have, is the Panaceum. Did yep. I say that right? Yep. Excellent. This is the largest House Jurasco enclave. And then they're the healing house, right? Uh, this is where you're going to find all of your high-priced healing. Makes sense. This is in the Dragon Towers in uh, Middle Central. And, and that's 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 the Central Plateau. Uh, the next quarter I wanted to talk about today was Dura. This is the poor one. So we're going from high class to low class here? Yeah, we're looking at the real opposite ends of the spectrum. Sure. Uh, Sharn started in Dura. It is the oldest quarter. Well, it makes sense. It's got to be pretty durable. Exactly. Um, except it isn't because the rest of Sharn kind of looks down on this area because all the stonework is cracking and crumbling. Uh, the lifts that go between the towers are abandoned. They don't work, some of them. So they've, they've got elevators in Sharn? Oh, yeah. Beauty. Oh, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they, right? You guys have Knist and whatnot. Like, there is something even cooler that we're going to get to in a minute here. Okay. The thing that I really liked about the description here is that they talk about having burnt out ever bright lanterns, which. Yeah, that, that makes me twitch. Yes. But it specifically says that these are old, burnt out, ever bright lanterns that do not work anymore. And that must mean that they are so freaking old. That they would just get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. I bet they glow, but they don't shed light. You know what I mean? Like a like, no, they are done. Like dead, dead, spent. Done. Like a match head. Done. Which is weird because I think this is the first time in the fifteen plus years of D and D I have ever seen an ever bright lantern 
not bright anymore. You know, you're going to give that item to a D&D party and they're going to spend 45 minutes trying to figure out how to turn that fucker on <laughs> because it would just mess with people. That is genius. I, too, hate the party I DM for. <laughs> Dura is kind of the center for poverty and crime. This is the most dangerous quarter to be in. This is where all of your edgelords come from in Eberron. No. That's where some of them come from? Yes. A lot of rogues are coming out of here. Yes. That's what I said. I mean, I'm just going to make this confusing, but I would feel like North Edge would be where you would find the Edge Lords. Dave? Yes? Just read the fucking book. Anyways, anyways. In Upper Dura, people are prospering, uh, and but they're always looking for opportunity as well. So they might, just because it's an Upper District, doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. If you're walking around with 6,000 gold in your hands, yeah, you're not going to have that gold for long. Uh, the upper section here has properties that you would normally find in a middle ward, and you can find modest goods and services. Adventurers are welcome here. That is not the case in every ward. Uh, one of the districts here is called Dagger Watch. This is a fortress district, and it houses a garrison of the Sharn Watch and the Brailish Army. I'm also going to assume that it's right, like, this is the one that can see the Dagger River the clearest as well, because it would be on that side of the city. I don't have a good answer for you. All I've seen is a map of where the quarters are and where the wards are. Right, but based on where the quarter is, and the fact that this quarter's right up against the Dagger, and it's in the upper upper ward. I suppose one of the other districts is called Highhold. Guess what kind of people live here? Stoners. Uh, Yeah, dwarves. Yeah. In this district, you're going to find a pub called Morrigan's. Uh, this is where you're going to find merchants from the Roarholds. God, I can't get through one episode without having to say it. I just got to say it roar and roar every time. Uh, you're also going to find agents from House Kandarak here. Okay. All right, this is that dwarves. Sense, yeah. Dwarves, dwarves, dwarves. Oh, that's why they call it High Hold. High Hold. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's also a district called High Water. Bong Water. High Water. I keep derailing you. Yes, and I'm tired. This isn't good. Uh, You're going to find the wealthiest inhabitants of Dura in... Bongwater. Yes. Uh, This is also the site of Pegasus Spire, which is a house Vidalis enclave. Okay, that makes sense. Vidalis was the one that was doing all the weird monstrosity and experiments and stuff. So they're not coming in on, on the airships and whatnot. They're going to be riding their Pegasi in, so I like that idea. It seems likely, yes. Yeah. The other district I want to cover in Upper Dura is called the Overlook. Oh, that's that's not good, Dave. That's not good. Is there a hotel here? This is a Kalashtar community. Oh, the psychic makes it worse, Dave. And this is where you're going to find the only temple to the Path of Light in Breland. That's- not in Sharn. In Breland. Yeah, but that's 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 bad, Dave, because the Kalashtar have a shine to them. Mm-hmm. The Overlook Hotel was the name of the hotel in The Shining. For legal reasons, it's The Shining. Thank you, Dave. Now, Middle Dura. Mm-hmm. This is where your working class lives. This, uh, you, you probably figured that. Yeah. Uh, one of the districts here is the Bazaar of Dura. That is B-A-Z-A-A-R. Yeah. Not Z, Americans. This is the largest commercial district in the city. You can find anything here, including thieves. The merchant stalls here are pretty much always changing. They're not very good thieves, you can find them. I agree. The The city watch isn't super present. They're okay. around, but, but... they don't really give a shit. These it, are the poor people. They're not paying their salaries. Well, the, the guards are bribable, 
Now, if you look in the book, there is a table for the different kind of merchants you can find in the bazaar. You know, there's one called the Seven Leagues. This is owned by a cobbler whose name is Boots. Great name for a cobbler. Uh, and it's just a small, remarkable is he selection. A, a short black tabaxi? Could be. Cool. Another one you find here is Sundry's Shop. This is owned by a gnome named Sundry, and it's a pawn shop. Pretty straightforward. There is Roll and Conquer. This is one of the only game stores in Sharn, and it does most of its business in cards and dice. Right. Yeah, so, this but, is where you pick up your Dungeon Master's Guide. Yes, or Mordekainen's. Actually, you will find Mordekainen's Tome of Foes and Vol's Guide to Monster in D&D, in the D&D world. I know, that's why, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah but there is a, a D10 chart in the book, if you want. Uh, one of the other districts in Middle Jura is called... Harith's Folly. Now, this area, this district, um, has a strange blend of architecture, okay? It's known for having a giant hollow tower, uh, which is an arena for aerial jousting. Cool. I thought that was really, really interesting and unique. Another thing that they get into in the book that I'm not going to cover is the different kind of sports that you can find in Sharn. Yeah, they've got some unique ones. There are a few... and it's also worth mentioning that in Middle Jura, there are two other districts. These are separate districts, okay? Rattlestone and Tumbledown. And these are where you're going to find the very, very poor uh, residing. This is where they live. Note that this is Middle Dura. Lower Dura was just kind of left to rot. This is ignored by the Watch almost entirely. Not completely, but almost. And this is the domain of gangs and crime lords. This used to be the heart of Sharn. There's a district here called Fallen, and it is just a, it's a haunted ruin, okay? It was struck by a falling tower and abandoned. I will get more into this later. Okay. I'm very interested about this, but keep going. All right. There's Malian's Gate, which is another district. This is where you're going to find the goblins in Sharn. Uh, this is also where you're going to find immigrants from Drome and Dargoon. And it's probably very dangerous to visit this district if you are part of the Boromar clan. Really? Because they're organized crime. The Boromar clan and Dask fight each other. And this is Dask? Yes. Uh, another district here is called Kalistan. This used to hold all the manors for the wealthy and the rich in Sharn. Remember, Dura is Old Sharn. Mm-hmm. Well, not. it's not Old Sharn. It is an older section of Sharn. Old Sharn is another district. But this is where the nobles used to live. This is where you used to find your temples. There were garrisons of the Watch here. But it is pretty much now abandoned. All the criminal powers have a presence here, and it's the home to the Boromar clan. So you kind of get a sense now of how walking around with the wrong alliances in different districts can be detrimental to your health. The last district I wanted to cover in Lower Dura is called Precarious. Gee, how safe is it there? Very. Okay, it's actually probably the safest district in Lower Dura. And it's poorly named, Dave. Well, it isn't. Because it leans out over the cliffs. Okay? (laughs) This is where you're going to find what's called the Sky Dock. There are gigantic arcane cranes that hoist goods up from the docks here. Cool. Alright, so the docks are below, and they lift everything up to Sky Dock. Sharnwatch does have a significant presence here, which is why I say it's probably the safest location in Lower Dura. So there are these docks down there, right? Yeah, yeah. So on the river, you're gonna. F- that's where the docks are. Well, of course, that's where we met Jed. I mean, that's where we did not meet Jed. Never mind. Who's Jed? Exactly. <clears throat> um, but yeah, no. Above us was the the sky dock. That's where they lift all the goods up. Yeah. 
I, I, I feel like this was just a way for them to kind of cut off some of the lower class people from interfering with important business. Yeah, you don't have to bring your expensive goods in through the shitty part of town. Exactly. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, and I mean, arcane cranes to hoist stuff up. Arcane. I thought of that too while I was writing this. The, 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 the fact that they exist tells me that... There is a lot of investment going on here. But it is important to note that trade in Sharn is not necessarily thriving in the way that it sounds like it should for a metropolis. All right. And that has to do with the politics leading from the last war. Sure. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, some of the other noteworthy locations in Dura are a place called the Anvil. This is a house Galanda Inn. Uh, this is protected by the Boromar clan. Now, the Boromar clan is made up of mostly halflings, so it makes sense that they have strong ties to House Galanda and House Jurasco, which we'll get into later. Uh, the Anvil is the safest establishment in Lower Dura. All right, and you'll find this in Kalistan. Uh, you will also find the Clifftop Adventures Guild. This is a, a guild that provides adventurers with, you know, somewhere to sit and tell their stories and find work. And this is in the Clifftop section of Upper Dura. All right, so, and that pretty much is what I got on Dura. Uh, now, I think we're going to have to split the quarters up and do a couple episodes here. I'll do the other three next time. Sure. But before we move on to uh, a monster breakdown, I want to break down a couple of organizations that you're going to find in Sharn. This week I'm going to do criminal organizations. Next week we're going to do forces of law. Uh, so I've already mentioned it extensively within the last few minutes as the Boromar clan. Uh, this began as a family of halflings from the Talenta Plains uh, and they are quite important. They actually have a seat on the city council in Sharn. Uh, they have close ties with House Jurasco, and that's through marriage, and they specialize in gambling, theft, and smuggling. The Boromar clan govern a lot of lesser gangs, and they are currently having a large feud with Dask. The Boromar clan likes to avoid violence, but they won't shy away from it if it's forced upon them. You know, between the Boromar clan, Boromir from Lord of the Rings, and the Boros Legion from Ravnica, it fucking makes my head spin. Yeah, it's yeah. just a, yeah, I got, I was going to make a joke, but it, I don't think it was going to land. So I just aborted halfway through. I'm a boron. That one fell flat too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please don't leave that in. <laughs> or this part explaining that I don't want you to leave it in. Guess what, Dave? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the other organizations, uh, I just brought them up, Dask. This is something that we've covered lots of times before. They are a criminal organization that has its roots in Drome. They've been building their power in Sharn for about a decade, and they recently began an aggressive campaign of expansion. They are clashing with the Boromar clan very hard right now. Dask is engaged in a lot of violent crime, armed robbery, assault, arson, murder, and extortion. Like, they're, they're not... The Boromar clan are bad guys. Dask are evil bad guys. Sure. Okay, okay. if that yeah. makes sense. Uh, one of the other organizations you're going to find here is called House Tarkanon. Remember when I said that there was no aberrant Dragonmark house? Yeah. I was wrong. There is an aberrant Dragonmark house. But it does not have every aberrant Dragonmark person in it. It's not like a bloodline or lineage. Right? No, not at all. In order to be a part of this organization, you have to have an aberrant Dragonmark, but not every aberrant Dragonmark is a part of this. These are an elite force of mercenary thieves and assassins, 
And they've kind of been united by everyone else's fear of them. You know, I mean, with, with an aberrant dragon mark is a ticking time bomb, right? I'm sure that the, the houses, House uh, Thorani and House Denise, really love these guys. I am sure they are big fans of each other. Uh, the last organization I wanted to go over today was called the Tyrants. This is an organization that is full of forgers and grifters. They specialize in deception and gathering info. This is mostly changelings, um, but they do have mage rights that they employ that can permanently alter your appearance. Okay. So if you want to disappear, these guys can make that happen for good. Any questions? No, I don't have any questions. I really like the fact that they've got something for forgery and, and appearance, shape changing and whatnot as well. Like that's a cool side of, of what's going on in Aberron. That's a cool part of D&D that has always existed that I don't often get into and they've really built a good foundation for it here. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay, let's uh let's grab dice and see what we really like from this. What what hits us with inspiration that we would be excited to port over into even a homebrew campaign or to explore in our own personal Eberron campaign. Sure. I got a 1. Oh, I got a 4. Well, High rollers today, Dave. High yeah, rollers. We're in the bottom 20%. I mean, it's hard to pick just one thing. I like the idea of starting in the the lower wards and creating a network of contacts that will eventually allow you to rob the vault of House Kandarak up in the higher, up in the upper wards, right? Like, like I like the the contrast between low and high and how you can kind of work your way through that. And that's something I would probably play with quite a bit. I gotta say, I think I like Dura better than I like Central, just because there's more adventuring opportunities you're gonna go visit central you're gonna have a you know a meeting with some nobility or you got to go to the bank to go drop something off but your adventure your role playing your heavy npc your like gritty dirty street level stuff is going to be in dura when you come in off the docks and you walk in and there's fucking ettons walking around down here and and they're like knocking out walls in places for large creatures to sleep in and there's a haunted section over there which everyone knows don't go in there Right, and then you kind of work your way up slowly, and it gets more reputable as you go. And then I like the idea too of there being arcane cranes, and you've got to like slide down the crane as well to escape. Our cranes, our cranes. Yes. So there's there's a lot of adventure possibility there, especially with a gangland feud that's going on in the lower part of this area. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. I, I can definitely see you putting an entire low-level campaign here, right? Where you guys are vigilantes or you're running around and you're errand boys. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a Boromar clan member. Right, you could run an entire 20th, like 1 to 20 level campaign. In Charm. In Charm. down, yeah, easily. Yeah. This, I think, rivals Waterdeep as far as the kind of thing that you can do in here. Even Icewind Dale and Baldur's Gate doesn't really hold a candle to how big and varied this metropolis is. Oh, it's massive. Yeah, I mean, Baldur's Gate is huge, and there's a lot of shit to do in it, but there's something for everyone here. Sharn struck me as kind of strange when I looked at the population of only a half million. That seemed really low to me. Yeah, but think about the number of people. That's half a million residents. And you said there are thousands of people coming in every day. So, I mean, I bet you've got an influx of probably 100,000 people coming and going that are not permanent residents all the time. Probably. And there are also other places around. And that's going to be uh, half a million, which seems low by today's standards. But you think about that in medieval times? Yeah. And that's that's a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And are they including monsters in that? It's residents. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. 
So, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of really interesting things to do. I like the, the gangland war, like the gang war poor section of town with monsters a lot more than, than the upper crust snooty nobility. I would go up there to do a heist. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was saying, right? Yeah. But that's, that's about it. So I wanted to jump into something that was a little bit different as far as monsters go. We're very, very used to the idea of uh, undead as big, bad, evil guys. There's a lot of liches. There's Lady Ilmaro and whatnot in Eberron. And we've talked a few times about there being the positive energy undead. Yep. And the undead good guys in Aranol yep. and whatnot. So I wanted to take a look for a minute at the undying. Okay. So let me let me go through this really quickly and give you kind of a breakdown. There are two different stat blocks in the back of Eberron for the Undying. But what are they? Well, they are undead creatures, but they're sustained by positive energy. They're also sustained by the um, devotion of mortal beings. Where strong negative emotions can trap a spirit, like a ghost or a wraith, the Undying are spirits who linger because they are cherished. Okay. Because they are loved. They can appear anywhere but it's rare for them to manifest naturally. The only place where they're found in significant numbers is on Aranol. The elves of Aranol spend thousands of years working to develop rituals to tap into the positive energy, allowing them to preserve their greatest citizens. So this is almost a right. I feel like when you are good enough, you become one of the people that they're going to preserve. And then they start rituals while you're alive or recently dead. Now, this ties into the elven religion, the spirits of the past? Yes. Yeah. So, they are corpses, and they do rot very gradually over time. And they glow, but the glow doesn't give off any sort of heat. It gives off, like, a, a warmth and comfort. A radiance, maybe? Uh, yeah, but a very, like, dull radiance. They are bound, it says they're bound by love and light. They are found usually in manifest zones tied to Irian. You can find them in Shame or Die, which is the Irani City of the Dead. Not the City of the Dead over in Sharn, which is the big graveyard. Correct. So there is an Undying Court, which is where the honored undead of Aranol are united. They're based in Shay Mordai, um, and they have to spend their time meditating and engaging in research or continuing to perfect the arts that they practiced in life. These guys serve as guides and advisors to the living, and members of the noble lines of Aranel can exercise the right of counsel to consult with the ancestors uh, in shame, in shame or die. I, I'm always going to say shame or die. I will pick shame. So what's really crazy is that the greatest members of the Undying Court are the Ascendant Counselors, and these beings are pure light. So that's that's the, the counselors. The rest of them are considered soldiers. So undying counselors guide and protect the people of Aranol. They're the most powerful members of the undying court. Um, and they still maintain their physical form. Um, and while many of them spend their days advising living, some devote years projecting their consciousness into the astral plane, which was not one of the planes that we talked about. That's true. And they're always looking to seek new knowledge to share with other people. Still, not all minds are capable of assimilating immortality, and undying counselors sometimes buckle under the strain and go mad. Cool. So you can run into evil versions of these. Before I go any further, I want to address this astral plane shit. It is capital A, capital P. Remember we were talking about how the progenitor dragons had taken away, they had left the regular Forgot Realms planes of existence and it come over to Eberron and it was removed and it's their own separate place. What I feel like there is a place 
a single swirling pool of color on the astral plane, which is how the astral plane works. These swirling pools of color are gateways to different uh, planes in the Forgotten Realms. I feel like there's probably one where these guys can come in and look around and see what's going on. And this would be a, a gateway from the Forgotten Realms to Eberron and back again. If you are ever running a campaign, and I know a lot of people that do this, that start in one but want to go to somewhere else. This is how you do it. This would be how I would do it, yes. Now, there's also the Undying Soldier. Undying Soldiers make up the army of Arenal's City of the Dead. They guard the temples of the Undying Court and the mansions of the Noble Lands of Arenal. And they're usually bodyguards for Irani ambassadors and whatnot as well. So they're always wearing heirloom armor. And they've got a real, like, zombie elf kind of feel to them. A zelf. I'm going to go over the Counselor because the Soldier stat block is really yeah, simple it's and straightforward. Not, yeah. it's, it's a CR2. They get two spear attacks and they've got... Some good skills in athletics, history, perception, and religion. They've got a bunch of damage resistances. They're immune to poison because, of course, undead. But they're vulnerable, so they'll take double damage from necrotic. And this is the counselor? No, this is the soldier. Okay. So just really quickly, the only other thing about it is they have advantage on saving throws against effects that turn undead. And the soldier magically sheds bright light in a 10-foot radius and dim light for an additional 10 feet. They can extinguish or restore this light as a bonus action. I just love the idea of you walking into a dark room and you can't see your, like, because you're human or you're dragonborn, right? And you walk in here and it's dark. You thought you saw, like, a figure walking in here, but you can't hear breathing or anything. And all of a sudden, 15 of these guys just illuminate. And they don't move. They're still because they're dead. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at, that's creepy. I really like the, the idea of that. That's a cool visual. So for the Undying Counselor, these guys are CR10. Now, all the Undying are neutral good. And, of course, they're medium-sized. They were elves once, right? These guys have really high intelligence and wisdom, decent strength and constitution, and uh, above-average charisma as well. They've got, they've got bumps in con intelligence and wisdom saving throws, and they've got huge uh, increases in arcana, history, insight, perception, and religion. Again, vulnerable to necrotic, immune to poison and radiant, and you can't charm, exhaust, frighten, paralyze, or poison them. They can see for 120 feet in dark vision. Their passive perception is 19. You're not sneaking up easily on these guys. And they do speak, of course, common and elvish. Makes sense to me. They've got an aura of radiance, which means they magically shed bright light in a 15-foot radius, dim light for an additional 15 feet. It was 10 and 10 for the soldiers, 15 and 15 for these guys. The counselor can extinguish or restore the light as a bonus action. If the bright light overlaps with an area of darkness created by a spell of third level or lower... The spell that created the darkness is dispelled. Interesting. Darkness, the spell, is second level. So they will just walk through your darkness and knock it out. They have advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. That's pretty standard for big, bad, crazy guys like this. Um, they're considered 13th level spellcaster. They use wisdom to do it, and their wisdom is uh, 21, so it's a plus 5. They get a plus 9 to hit with spell attacks, and the spell save DC is 17. They get crazy shit. I'm not going to go through all of the spells. Plane shift... Which, again, leads me to think that these guys are walking around the astral plane as well. Potentially. Plane shift. Uh, they've got planar ally, scrying, dispel evil and good, banishment, guardian of faith, dispel magic, daylight, calm emotions, bless, create or destroy water, sacred flame, spare the dying, guidance, mending. Right? Like, we've got some really good positive spells on this. Not Like, they've got a couple that are attack spells, but not not really. These guys are 
meant to be spoken with and not, not really to be attacked. However, they do have some actions. They get a multi-attack, which is two radiant attacks, uh, which are called radiant touch. Plus nine to hit, 3d6 plus five radiant damage. For a CR 10, that's kind of basic. But I feel like that's not what they're there to do. No. They also have healing touch, which means that when they touch another creature, they can magically regain 3d8 plus five hit points, and that creature is freed from a curse that is afflicting it. They also get Flame Strike, which requires a 5th level or higher spell slot that they have, and they have 2 5th, 1 6th, and 1 7th. So, like, they don't use this often. They mm-hmm. will pull this once in a while. The Counselor chooses a point you can see within 60 feet of it. Each creature in a 10-foot radius, so that's big, in a 40-foot high cylinder centered on that point, must make a DC 17 deck save or take 46 fire and 4d6 radiant damage on a failed save. Of course, half as much as a successful one. If the counselor casts this spell using a spell slot of six level or higher, the fire or the radiant damage increases by one d6 for each slot. You're not going up by two d6 for each. Sure. So every once in a while, they can just they just say, "Nope, oh, screw you," over there, right? But I feel like they won't. Not unless they have to. Not unless they have to. Yeah. Uh, the counselor does get a couple of legendary actions. Though there are two different options. It can only take two legendary actions per round, which is unusual. Almost everything else I've ever seen has three legendary actions around. Sure. They also, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're a pretty low CR to have legendary actions. Generally speaking, yes. There are some things down at the bottom of Tier 3, but this is the top of Tier 2. So this, you're right, this is early for this. It's interesting because these guys don't feel like combatants. I would feel like what you are, you what you would see with this would be... When you go to talk to one of them and you all get attacked and he's covering your escape. Yep. Like that's how I'm feeling the Undying Counselor would be. So it does get to touch um, using one attack with its Radiant Touch. So that's, that's it. And that only costs one, so they can do that kind of twice in a round. Or they can use Shimmering Aura, where the Counselor channels positive energy into its Aura of Radiance. Until the end of the Counselor's next turn, it sheds bright light in a 30-foot radius and dim light for an additional 30 feet. So they just super fucking glow. Any creature that starts its turn in the bright light must succeed on a DC 17 con save or be blinded until the counselor's next turn. Oh, nice. It, so it does say any creature. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's you included. Yeah, yeah, good guys as well and allies and whatnot as well. So, yeah. Um, and which is interesting because that may include the counselor. They're not immune to being blinded and this centers on them and they are a creature in the middle. Yeah, but it's just till their next turn anyways, right? Uh, until the end of the counselor's next turn. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. Now, they, they do get a boost to con. Like their con save is, is pretty decent. But still, that's that's like a Hail Mary. Yeah. When you need to get out of there, this is the flashbang that allows you to escape. So, I really, really like this for the flavor of an undead elf. Because we do have all sorts of undead elves. Banshees are technically elven maidens. And ghasts and, and ghouls? Definitely ghasts are undead elves as well. But we don't have anything that, that feels, you know, like the Grey Havens at the end of, of Lord of the Rings and like the elves that just live forever off in a diminished sadness over there. And their afterlife is weird. Yeah. This is a cool take on that. Where they're still positive, they're still good guys, but they're not, they're, they're not just like floaty ghosts. Yeah, elves in Eberron do have a unique flavor to them. They really do. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy that new sense of 
the good undead, which we get almost none of in yep. D&D. Oh, makes sense to me. Do you have any final thoughts about undead or undying counselors or anything before we move on? Uh, no, not not particularly. That was a pretty good breakdown of them. I mean, these are guys that I would probably not ever really get to, you know, unless it was very, very specifically written into something. These are not going to be main pieces in a campaign. This is going to be a stop on the way through. Yeah, I feel like these guys are going to be... You have to go get a piece of info from them. You need them to scry to look something up. Yeah. So, what's going on in Argonison? Where can I find the Orum? I'm going to go talk to them if I'm near Aranol. Yep. So, anyway, if we're done, then this series, as well as other series on role-playing games, are available on the It's a Mimic feed on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and lots of other podcast apps. So, don't forget to follow or subscribe on whatever app you're listening to. Also, check out the entire library of episodes on www.itsamimic.com and feel free to support us by hitting that donate button. Thanks for listening to this episode of It's a Mimic Touring the Multiverse. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook or you can find me at the subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Adam. And we'll be back with more Eberron information and adventure inspiration next week. But first, let's go find Jed. Sure. I actually have some traveling music for us. Where the dagger meets the hilt, where the dagger meets the hilt, where the dagger meets the hilt. I don't think he's here. I don't see Jed. Jed, Jed, oh Jed, are you in the back? Yeah, yeah, I'm oh, over hey, here, hey. I'm over here. I'm hey, wh- what, what are you doing back here, buddy? Oh, you know, I'm just, uh, just taking a little seat, you know? Yeah, maybe, uh, here, come sit down beside me here. There's totally space, just come, come sit down beside Jed. You look a little pale. Oh, yeah, I thought pale as fuck, man, look at me. Like, I haven't been feeling too well, but, uh, how are you, how are you guys doing? We're all right. Do you have, do you have the COVID, Jed? The, the what? No, I hope not. I'm not sure. Well, you have a ventilating lung if you need. Did I sell that to you? I don't even remember what I did 20 minutes ago. Don't try and sell it back to me. Uh, all right, do you want us to leave you alone this week? Well, uh, shit, I mean, I'm... No, I can do this. You guys, just uh, just bear with me, okay? Okay, it's just a little slow week for me, okay? Okay. Uh, what about this? What, uh, what about this? This right here. Uh, got a, a, a scribe pen. Do you like scribe pens? It's, uh, it's pretty good, you know? It looks nice, eh? Sure. What, what does it do? Well, you know, with this one, I mean, whether it's secret notes or maybe you're just throwing your tag down, as the kids would say. Uh, you could write anywhere, any, anything you can write on it. It's, uh, it's, it's like the universal pen. It's, uh, you know... Yeah? Do, do, do you need to attune to it or anything special? Yeah, yeah, you do, but if you got the Marcus Scribing, or if you know anybody with the Marcus Scribing, now you're just fine. It gets you right in the door, no questions asked. Do you need to have the Mark to... <coughs> oh, jeez. You all right there? Oh, yeah, just just fine, just fine. Okay, okay. Uh, do, do you need to have the Mark of Scribing to use that? Uh, no, not necessarily, but, uh, you know, it does have other requirements. Like, uh, you have to be... Uh, a Dragonmark member of the uh, the House Civis, uh, so 
You know, are, are you by chance? Come on, God, please be a chance. Are you part of the House Civis? I can't remember if we talked about this. Gnome, I'm not. This is fucking useless. Just like those gnomes you just made fun of. Hey, so Skype, that didn't work out for you. Okay, uh, what about this? We got the uh, key charm. What, uh, you like the key charm, boys? I mean, I, I like charms. What's uh, what's it about? Sorry, uh, you know, uh, let's say uh, let's say you got something that you really want to keep safe. You know, like uh, you know, something you could put into a vault or something like that, right? Uh, you know, if you had any money. I mean, I got a little. Yeah, well, you never fucking show me it, so I wouldn't know. I was just, I was just assuming. Alright, so let's say that you're keeping this really important thing safe, alright? And you you cast a spell of alarm, right? If you use this key charm, you can, yeah, you can connect. You can connect the spell to the charm, and then whenever you're away from the safe, or the vault, or whatever the hell you've got locked up, you know, oh shit, maybe I should have grabbed one of those. Uh, yeah, you know what, never mind, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it. Uh, oh, oh. Okay. Uh, all right, all right. All right, uh, guys, look, I'm really sorry. I'm kind of coming up short here, you know? Uh, let me take a quick look around. You can't find anything else? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, when you speak of it, I got these uh, the finder's goggles, eh? Look at these. They're made out of dragon shards. They're fucking hip as fuck. Wow, that's that's pretty neat. Where'd, uh, where'd you get those? These actually I found. I was uh, was walking home one night back to the dumpster, right from right where we're sitting here in the market, and uh, you know some fucking dumb fool lets these things fall. They fall to the ground. The guy or the girl or the thing walks away, and you know I came along next. I picked them up, and uh, here we are. I thought I kind of liked them, but uh, not really for me, you know. What what do they do? Yeah, what do these things do? Okay, so you, while, you, while you're wearing these, right, you gotta make, uh, make a big choice. You need to be a little bit wise, right? Or, uh, maybe you gotta see what's going on. You can add 1d4 to any insight check that you do while you're wearing these goggles. It just gives you that little extra oof, you know? You wanna get the good boof going. Like, uh, yeah, that sounds pretty neat. What else, what else do they do? Alright, so uh, let's say that you roll <clears throat> one hell of an insight check, alright? When you're wearing these goggles, you can pick up any object around you that you can see, or maybe you have to go find it, who knows, maybe some drawers you have to sift through. Alright, so you find your object, okay? You're wearing the goggles. You can find out what type of creature was holding this object, and you can cast Locate Creature and find out wherever this thing is. Like, fucking instantly! That's actually pretty cool! That actually is really useful. Yeah, that is really cool. It you is. know what? Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna take these. Yeah, all right. Oh, hold on, hold on. Can, 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 yeah. can, can I can I see them first? I, wanna, I just want to try them on. Oh and, yeah, uh, sure, absolutely, Dave. These are probably gonna look great on you. How much are they? Uh, I'd probably let these slide for like four fifty. Four hundred and fifty. Yeah, four hundred and fifty, Dave. Not four fifty. Uh, my insight is telling me that's a little steep. Hey, you know it is a little steep, but a uh, half-orc-looking motherfucker like yourself, that's a pretty good price to pay for uh, the uh, the improvement, let's say. Look, it's just an underbite, okay? Hey, you're working it, boy. Get it going! Alright, yeah, so 450 cough it up then, Dave. Yeah, Dave. This is the fun part. Alright. Alright, here you go. Here you go. Hey! I'll count it later, but gosh, guys, I gotta tell you, I'm still not feeling so good here. Do you think, uh, do you have any of those beans on you, David? Uh, no, not, uh, not this time. Sorry there, bud. Ah, shoot. 
you know what? It's all good, okay? Look, I gotta go back to sleep, alright? I mean, lay here, whatever. But, uh, is it okay if you mosey on, fellas? Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week, Jed. You try to take it easy. Yeah, You're get looking some, rough. Get some rest. Oh, you betcha. Alright. Well, we'll see you then. Oh. I, uh, I don't think he's doing so hot these days. Well, uh, well, he's not looking. Is there anything here that we can, uh, yeah? That we could pick up here? Mm, mm, I don't know where any of this shit's been. Yeah, let's, let's probably better not to. Uh, I said get the fuck out! Alright, alright, see you later, Jed. Yeah, see bye. you later. Bye, bye, Jed. <laughs>